to Coached Soul, a podcast for a better you. Here's your host, Steve Hudgens. Welcome back. I'm Steve. I'm a licensed professional therapist here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. With me is Julia, the co-host and a therapeutic coach. Together we talk about a variety of different subjects, or sometimes we interview other people to provide you with a different perspective about life and to help you to be a better you. To contact us, it's 918-280-08690 or coachsoul.com. These are two ways to contact us, not on an emergency basis, but to provide feedback, questions for upcoming shows. And if you'd like to be on the show, please use the contact page on the website. We would love to hear from you. Julie, as always, we appreciate you with your smiley face and just the attitude that just comes across the way. You know, I forgot to mention this last podcast, especially with the book, but the one before I had a client call me out because they listened to the broadcast about you have to. Well, I'm sorry. You have to buy this book. (laughs) (laughs) Would that work? That is the proper use of you have to, or you should. Okay. I got something right. Awesome. Thank you. You've now had the affirmation and the appreciation that you've been longing for, Steve. Congratulations. I I need that. I need that ego stroke sometimes, you know, and back on our show again is Misty and we appreciate her being back on the show. Misty, thank you again for joining us. We wanted to bring you back on the show. You mentioned some things about your writing style, your alignment. We want to talk to you a little bit about domestic violence. Simply because the holidays are coming up, you have Thanksgiving, we have Christmas, New Year's, a lot of people feeling alone, but at the same time in relationships, doesn't matter whether you're married, cohabitating, it just seems like domestic violence increases in relationships. Could you speak to us a little bit about your experience? Well, definitely. I have had experience with domestic violence and I had it for decades and I considered myself a successful woman and an intelligent woman. And and I don't know if that contributed to why I was too embarrassed to tell people, you know, that I kept getting myself in this cycle. I know that the holidays bring on a lot of unnecessary stress. And for me, alignment is not found in large groups of people that I don't get along with the other 11 months of the year. So I'm very particular about my holiday space and who and when I would spend time with people. And that's a, that's something that personally worked for me. That doesn't work for everyone. I take myself out of those high stress likelihood for violence situations much faster these days. I think that one of the things that I, uh, first of all, I want to uh, express my appreciation to you, Misty, for just sharing uh, just a brief moment of what domestic violence uh, was like for you um, and and why alignment is important to you, especially during the holidays and how quickly you are to be able to move out of um, spaces that aren't healthy and healing for you. 
I want to hear more about your story and if you're willing to share about how domestic violence was um, experienced in your life. I, I know I have my own um, and, and I, I don't mind sharing it all with mine because mine was a, a I was a 14 when I actually, I was groomed into marriage with my father's best friend. And so it, I was married to him for about four, four and a half years, somewhere along in there. And every day uh, for the, about the first 20, I would say probably, mm, I almost said 24 hours because I probably did start about that soon, but I didn't recognize it. <laughs> I was like 24 is showing up right there. <laughs> for some of our listeners, let's, can you bring clarity about groom? Because grooming yes. is not about hair brushing, brushing your teeth, showering. Talk a little bit about what you mean about grooming, because a lot of people don't understand the term groom. Okay. Grooming, I'm going to just from my brief description, experience with it, it is usually a child, um, a a teenager that is prepped by an older adult uh, in some form or fashion that develops a relationship, a sense of safety, um, that they become kind of their confidant, okay? They have, in other words, they have an influence in this child, this young teenager's life. And, and so when that child, or they, they're able to persuade them to participate in lewd, vulgar, um, sexual acts, running away from them. It's, it's, it's not an, uh, it's not even uncommon in the sex trade, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and in my case, it was my dad's best friend and, uh, he was the person that would show up with all the gifts, uh, when I was experiencing sexual child abuse from other perpetrators within the family or my dad's friends, he was the person that kind of provided a little bit of shelter until, I, uh, I mean, he even went to my dad at a certain point, And I think I was like 12 and a half, 13 years old and just said, Hey, I want to marry your daughter. And of course, by 14, I was already, I'd run away with him. And because I saw him as the space of safety, my immature brain didn't know that he was actually one of the perpetrators that was preparing me for way worse experiences. So I often compare that time that I state, I jumped from the frying pan into the fire. Misty, share a little bit about your story of domestic violence and just chime in on what we've already talked about. My domestic violence story has a lot of chapters to it. I appear to have cycled through various, I won't tolerate this, and then I would find myself maybe in an emotionally abusive or a sexually abusive or a physically abusive or a financially abusive, or there's a lot of different ways to hurt someone. And when I was single, so this was my ultimate freedom, is I realized that while single, I was abusing myself in their absence. And that was a real eye-opener for me that I wasn't feeding myself properly, moving my body, respecting myself, keeping my word to myself. And once I realized that I also was holding place for abusers, then I realized until I could trust me to take care of me on my own shift, I didn't really need to be out shopping for new people. So that for me, June of 2020, I had an experience where I uh, had to, um, which was what led me to my PTSD therapy. I had to make a decision to protect myself or my son or the person that I said, I love you to the night before. And he was having, unfortunately, a military PTSD experience, but it, it was still my life on the line 
and he was not willing to get treatment. And I, so again, I stayed in that relationship and, I, and in, in hindsight, that's not something I would do again. Um, however, at that moment, I had to make a decision and I had to, so to speak, pick a weapon that I wouldn't normally use and it saved us. And that's when I had to go, okay, if I can't hold space and protect myself single, I don't need to go out and shop for new people to date me right now. And I had to get very serious about finding out why I allow myself to abuse myself, which made it, an, I was groomed, like she just said, I was my own groomer. I'm grooming myself to be abused in the absence of an abuser. And oh, that was a big it. wide open, mm-hmm. wide, wide open, like aha moment for me. And it changed everything. So Julia, oh, that's and- powerful. So- <laughs> it, it is because we really don't recognize this sometimes in therapy. Sometimes people don't recognize it within themselves without therapy. And if you've been in a situation of some type of abuse, then we need to, we need to talk about it. And it goes back into a conversation that Tracy Owens and I had. Tracy Owens is a sex expert here in, in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. She deals with sexual issues with men and women. And one of the things she said is that men has been given access to one emotion and that's anger. And I so believe in that because I know long time ago when I was in my twenties, which is almost half my age telling on myself is the fact that I did have anger. I would yell, I would throw things. I would do other things that wasn't healthy to the other person or myself but I went to therapy for me for two years to become healthy. And it wasn't for another 15 years that I decided to become a therapist because I want to help other people. And a lot of times when we think about domestic violence there, we we have to look at two different things. Mine was just basic anger because of what has happened to my own family where my father never abused my mom, but it was the display of anger that he had. And so it can grow if men don't work on themselves. Then Julia, Misty, I mean, you have an impact on behalf of men. I want to apologize for that traumatic experience that's brought upon you and kids that have to witness Julia, as you have been a police officer, were you involved in domestic violence situations? And if so, what was that like? And what did you, how did you have to handle it, especially with your own? Well, it's, I'm a different person than I was then. <laughs> I'll go ahead and state that. Aren't we I'm all? very, I'm very much, well, let's love the world now. <laughs> then I was very much black and white uh, because in my world, that was actually one of the, the tools uh, that I used to survive at, both in my youth as in young adulthood, as a mother and becoming a police officer is that everything was a yes or no, right, left, black, white, because that was controllable. It was predictable. And, and so, uh, and I'll just go ahead and state this uh, and then I'll answer your question. Even with my children, I love my children. We have a tremendous bond. But if I asked them to do something, I wasn't asking them to do it then. I meant it should have been done yesterday. Okay. So, and now I'm just like, oh, let's just fold the laundry together, you know, and kumbaya. Okay. A total different personality. 
funny. Um, but I was the officer that oftentimes got called in um, because we were dealing with a typically male officers. I was the only female with my department. And, um, and I, I specialized in de-escalation and helping the, uh, I loved it. I mean, it was one of my very, very favorite things to watch it walk into a domestic violence situation. And, um, and it, I think it's because I, I came in softer. I looked softer. I was, I was non-threatening as far as I very much, I often would be called a, I look more like a soccer mom, you know, or nurse or a teacher or something along those lines. So when I would walk in, the men automatically, if they were the perpetrator, we know that they are not always the perpetrator. So though I appreciate your apology as a man, Steve, I can guarantee you that there are female perpetrators out there that can do far worse than a man can do. And so it goes back and forth. And, and actually that concerns me a little bit because our male men that are being abused don't always speak up. And we know that from statistics that it is, um, it's really, really hard for them to do that. Um, I, I do appreciate however, you recognizing that, Julia, because I did have part of that. Mm-hmm. It, it was through a borderline personality disorder that escalated with me that caused my reaction. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I know there's differences, but you're right. When you have somebody that has a borderline or bipolar, it does not help in that relationship. So I, I appreciate your perspective of that as well and bring that up. I apologize for interjecting here. No, no it's fine. And, and so I just, I think that, going into that situation, I always, I, the day I put on my uniform that morning when I said, or that evening, when my uniform went on, I was a different person. I would, um, I, it was kind of like going on stage and you're playing a character. So I knew that when I went out to deal with these calls, my personal life had no place being where I was going. And, and so I could easily compartmentalize what I was doing there. Uh, my, my, my job was to go in and make sure that things are calm enough, that whatever needs to happen happens. And that if there are children involved, that the children are safe. And, um, and so as far as my own, what areas that I needed to heal in or that I was working with, it's interesting because I started therapy, not necessarily with the idea of trying to process domestic violence or sexual child abuse or in those kinds of things. I actually just wanted to know why I kept perpetuating the idea that my system believed it was still going on. And, and that may be a different story for another podcast, but I, I do believe that we attract what we believe. And as long as we see ourselves as victims, we continue to track, attract perpetrators. And, um, and it's there, everybody's playing a role. And at some point in time, and again, another podcast time, but I think that there's also room for understanding the value of forgiveness. And when I say forgiveness, I'm not necessarily stating like in the religious terms of forgiving the perpetrators. Mm -hmm. What I'm talking about is holding a space for understanding what they may have gone through that made them into who they are. And, um, and in my case, I even went through a process and that was actually within the last two years that I was able to go to the graveside of my, my first husband and the major abuser, because one, my system needed to see that he was 
freaking did. I needed to see the grave marker because I didn't realize I was still running Mm. in my system. I was still waiting for him to pop around that corner and, you know, do some kind of harm at 50 something years old or 49 years old. And, um, and because I was able to visually see that I could go through a ritual and a process that allowed me to do some inner work right there. And I went through a very um, indigenous or native American ceremony that I had been helped prepped to, for this purpose. And I, I could hold a space for the fact that this man that did so much harm to me in my youth was this at one time was a young boy that whose dad was extremely physically abusive um, and would tie him up to fence posts with barbed wire and beat him until he bled and passed out. Mm. The harm he saw coming, you know, to his mom and things like that. There was no healthy state for a boy like that to grow into a healthy man without tremendous work. And, um, and when I could hold a space, a vision for the boy, not the man that did harm to me, but for the, the boy that had suffered through all of that, I began to realize that in some way he was just trying to survive. And, and that's where the forgiveness aspect come because I could love that boy. I might not be able to love the man, but I could love the boy. And, um, and so there, are, I just want to state that there are different levels that we go through as we're going through our healing processes that it, that you're not good. Not every listener that may have experienced this is going to be ready to, to take that last step where I was at. They're going to be down here at this level that, and Misty knows, you know, this where you're just in it and you're trying to survive the next hour. You know, you're that, that, that is your goal is just to try to survive the next hour. So I'm gonna let you guys interject because this is a place obviously that's a part of my heart um, and I'm very passionate about it, um, but I've also had to do my work to get where I'm at. And we are going to have future podcasts coming up only because the holidays are coming. Yes, they are. And we want our listeners to know we care about you because we care about ourselves too. And this is a sense of community to educate, to bring out a formality of bringing us together. And I'm just sitting here thinking about listening to your story, Julia. Misty, you went through your traumatic experiences. You went through some healing at the same time, listening to Julia. How does this her story impact you in this moment now? Well, of course, I love Julia, so my heart always hurts when I hear anytime anyone hurt her and I love that she was I would consider in my hallucination she had something filed incorrectly and that's why that file was going along with her and she was able to release that when she saw the grave um what my space is is obviously I'm not a therapist or a counselor I want to help women or men people protect the space if you're out of a domestic violence situation stay out of the domestic violence situation so once you have left I, I have a lot of theories and opinions about being in one today but once you get to my spot and you're safe and you look around there's some things that you can do for yourself to make sure that you don't become your own next abuser which makes it I don't have to trust every man because men weren't the problem the eight or nine men in my life that I've chosen to allow in my space were the problem, but the other 3 million could be amazing. And so far in my own journey of holding men accountable to, and myself accountable to men, 
to what we say, I haven't met anyone that was awful. And that's really been a beautiful space. I work with men very freely every day now with no fear, because if I got a bad vibe from you, if I didn't feel in alignment with you, I just wouldn't do business with you now. And that's really a freeing space. But I don't allow that back in, not for one date, not for one night, not for one month and hope we get better. If we're not in alignment and I don't feel safe in a place, I just don't stay. So I just don't, I'm going to stay out of the domestic violence situation. I'm not a fortune teller, but you can help your environment. I love what you just said there, because that is so true. And one of the things I want to up the ante on, and Julie, I want you to talk about this in relation to what Misty just shared, is trauma bonding. Mm. I like how Misty said that I have to hold myself accountable, but also the men. But we get ourselves into trauma bonding, and I know that's a big podcast there. But Mm. speak briefly to trauma bonding, what that is, how that contributes to domestic violence in the next uh, five minutes we have left. (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> no, no pressure, no stress right there. Right. right. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Appreciate that. Trauma bonding is really, it's where we connect with individuals that are actually, it's a, it's, it's, it has to do with attachments. Okay. And so we're standing here and we're like, gosh, I wish there were visuals to this because I'm such a hand talker. Okay. And what we're doing here is that we develop relationships with individuals that have similar, that they, they seem similar to what we've experienced or lived before. And, and it can also be the fact that with trauma bonding, that through the abuse okay, that we're experiencing with this individual, that we actually build a relationship with them. And, and it's almost the way I like to look at it when it comes to trauma bonding is that um, when I'm going to say I've done this, okay, um, is that you almost develop a safety in the middle of the chaos. And, and that individual, even though they are an abuser, okay, there's a sense of connection that comes with them. And that is a, I'm actually having a little bit of a panic attack right now. I can feel my heart racing going, oh my gosh, this is so real right now. Um, that there is a that there is a space where we still view that other individual as being our refuge in the middle of the rage is what comes to mind and and when we 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 continue to connect with them and and through this we are like they they have their own traumas we have our own traumas and we come together we're almost like magnets that are being pulled together and we stay in it and uh, versus being repelled. If you were to, uh, you know, the analogy that I'm kind of thinking about is you get two magnets and they are very, they, they have this magnet and they pull together and you can't get them apart. But if you turn those magnets over their energy or it's going to repel and, um, and they move away from each other. And in trauma bonding, I think that that's really what's happening is that there's similarities that bring two people together and they are just so, they become so intermeshed that there is no way to pull them apart. They have to do that work, but it's, that's just, I think that would be the example that I would use there. Boy, I was feeling that one. I'm just <laughs> gonna go ahead because, 
I'm just feeling that one right now. There's some truth. I'm going to have to go home and go do some reassessments. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you we're processing a little bit there. I have a little short thing I'd, I'll share about that since I'm not a professional there, if, you, if you're okay with that, Steve. Oh, sure. Yeah, yes. Okay. So one of the things that, uh, the, here comes the sun, the book that Julia and I did earlier this summer, it's available on Amazon, shameless plug, paying attention to how people speak to me, whether they're diving or dipping. If you dip into your trauma in order to tell me how you're going to get through today, like if you say after a year of abuse, I have gotten my own apartment, that tells me that we are not trauma bonding. You're telling me a bad thing happened and now we're telling about your comeback. Mm -hmm. If you dive into your trauma, then you're trying to share that experience with me and want me to feel from a, a pain level with you. And I'm not a trained therapist for that. So when I, if I go out on a date and a, and a person starts oversharing with me, I'll just let them know I'm not a professional and I'd love to talk about your bounce back, but it sounds like this is something that you should share privately, not because I don't want to be supportive, but I won't be a part of what Julia was just talking about. I want to make sure we're healthy sharing and not in an attempt to make me go, I can't hold them accountable because I want to overlook the fact they may not have been raised properly. Sometimes trauma bonding is a way of planting a seed for bad behavior. So that's how I kind of check the conversation a little bit to see if they'll allow me to just spin it into the dive back. Don't, don't dive into the trauma, dive into the comeback. Yes. What a great ending, Misty. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us today. It's been a pleasure. Julia, as always, it's been great, but I really want to say something to both of you that it takes a lot of courage to share a story. But when we share a story, it's still another piece of healing. Yes. And we need to have a sense of community in our sharing to say we're not alone because it's so easy to get trapped in our head that we're not, we're alone, that we can't do it on our own. And you can you can, you can just drop the anchor off of the can't and you can. Thanks for joining us today and till next time. Thanks for joining us today. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, be safe and be kind.